Last week, we shared with you this picture. And we showed this picture that this is how disciples should look. Because disciples are, according to Peter, says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, because they may, because of your good behavior or your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, Peter tells us that we should live like aliens and strangers in this world. And this guy, his name is Alf. And Alf is an acrostic for alien life force. And I shared with you that we should look like Alf because as disciples, we are to abide in God's Word, love one another, and be fruitful. And I shared with you last week that as you abide in God's Word, and God's Word abides in you, you prove to yourself that you are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are able to love one another, not limiting yourself to loving those who are lovable, but even going out of your comfort zone and loving even the most unlovable, as God tells us, that we are to pray for our enemies. Then, the Bible tells us, all men will know that you are truly disciples of mine if you have love for one another. So it begins with confirming to yourself that you are a disciple that's abiding. And then as you love one another, you prove to all men that you are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you begin to bear fruit, the Bible tells us, by this is my Father in heaven glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So if you notice, it's, it begins with you, and then the testimony goes outward to all the nations, to all people. And then eventually as you bear fruit, it brings glory to God. So should you look like Alf? Answer is yes. As a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am to abide in His Word, even as His Word abides in me. I am to love all people, even those who are unlovable, and I am supposed to bear fruit. If I do not bear fruit, I have to ask myself, was I ever planted in the vineyard in the first place? Because I cannot bear fruit unless and until I am planted in God's vineyard, of which the God the Father is the vine dresser. And we know from the same book of John that He is the vine and we are the branches. This morning, I would like to ask you to fill in the blanks. Finish the sentence. Are you ready? How do we finish this? It's not how you start. 
It's how you finish. Is finishing important? Is finishing well important? That's why your leaders here at CCFLA continue to pound you Sunday in and Sunday out that we should be involved in evangelism and discipleship simply because we want all of us to finish well. Now, did this start pretty good? Was it a good start? But what was the finish? Yes? Look, look, it was a good start. But what was the finish? How many of you watch NFL football? Some of us, I don't understand, Pastor, why they're going there. I don't, I, what is the goal? What is the touchdown? What's a kick? What's a freak? Whatever. Now, if you're an avid football fan, you know that last week, there were two games, two championship games, right? One was kind of blowout, but the other one between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks came to the last 22 seconds of the game. The Seahawks were ahead 23 to 17. One touchdown plus the extra point. Seven points. And if they scored the touchdown and the extra point, the 49ers. My brother is there. He loves San Francisco. So he was praying and he was hoping that they get a touchdown. Because if they got the touchdown and the extra point, 24-23. San Francisco wins. But then... What a finish. What a finish. Sherman, who came from Stanford. I mean, this is a smart guy. This is an intellectual guy, but you know, he played for Stanford. He finished at Stanford, and he was the cornerback. He tipped the ball. And his teammate, number 53, Smith, was able to intercept the ball. End of story. It was a fantastic finish. We want all of us to have a fantastic finish when it comes to our walk with the Lord. If you like, you can entitle this message, The Church That Pleases God. Loves his appearing. All born again, Bible believing, God fearing disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ should know that there is a graduation day, that there is a coronation day, that there is a promotion day. And as Paul writes to Timothy, he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. 
and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Paul, by this time, is at the end of his life. And he's telling his disciple Timothy, I poured out everything. I've given everything, my entire life, to the Lord. Now, as I have invested my life to the Lord, I'm looking forward to my great reward. And he says, I have kept, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord Himself, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But is, it, is this award exclusive to Paul? Who will this award go to? Who will these crowns go to in the proper time? He says, to all who love His appearing. Are you excited that the Lord is coming soon? Or, not yet. Not yet. Not, don't, Lord, don't come yet. Why? I haven't lived my life to the fullest yet. I have not experienced this yet. I have not experienced that yet. So please, don't come yet. I haven't won the lotto yet. I haven't bought my house yet. I, don't come yet. But to the disciple, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Do you long for the Lord's appearing? Do you long for Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. You see, it's not against the Bible to look towards a reward. You see, the book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 6, and, it, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So it is not against Scripture to look for a heavenly reward. But our focus should not be on the reward. Our focus is, should be on the rewarder. Because my great reward is Jesus. My greatest reward would be to be with Jesus and to be with all who love Jesus and have confessed and professed Him as their own Lord and Savior. We need a fantastic finish. Those of our brothers who are here who love the game of golf, Pastor Danny being one of them. I know that you who were in Las Vegas, I know you hit the greens. I know you. And you know me. You can ask Brother Edwin, Brother Ulrich, Pastor Danny. I am diminutive. Nasa American na tayo eh. In the Philippines, pandak. In the U.S., kind of here is nice. Diminutive. But you can ask them. With my size, I can drive the golf ball on average 280 yards. So, if you just base it on how I start, I will beat all of them. Yes? I don't get to beat any one of them. You know why? Because my path 
you know when the when the when the ball is right near the hole, it is also like 280 yards. <laughs> so my score is very high. I may start well, but I don't get to finish well. So as explosive as my drive is, my score is also explosive. Da Pastor Danny, very diminutive also. <laughs> His drive is diminutive, but it's always in the middle. He's always on course. And by the end of the game, he wins more than all of us. Why? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. The church that pleases God longs for God's appearing. And God has given us clear signs in His Word that His return is ever closer today than even the past decades. If you don't mind, can you please rise with me and read Matthew 24, our main text this morning. Let's read just verse 1 through 8. Verse 1, Jesus came out from the temple. kingdom against kingdom. In various places, there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Father, we thank you for your word. Let us listen to your word, Lord God, each and every one of us, Lord God. And I confess that apart from your Holy Spirit, Lord God, I can do nothing. Lord, speak to all of us. Give us wisdom and understanding, Lord, to see the times and to know that you're about ready to come. Teach us, Lord, to be prepared. Teach us, Lord, to finish well. Commit you this time, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here in Matthew 24, verses 1 through 8, Jesus gives us the signs of the time, the signs of his return. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. When? We don't know. We don't know. We do not know the exact date and time and location of his return. What we do know is he's coming back. So how will we, able, will we be able to discern, how will we be able to know when the time, when that time is about to take place? Specifically, we don't know. But Jesus gave us the ability to discern the times. So he says in verse 24, 
verse, chapter 24, verses 1 to 8, that for us to be able to have a fantastic finish, we must be able to know what are the signs. What are the signs of His return? Secondly, why has He delayed? Why has He been taking Jesus Christ so long? Third, why should I be prepared? And fourthly, how do I want to finish? Make sense? First, what are the signs? Israel. Israel is one of the biggest signs of the return of Jesus Christ. So what? Israel. Ever since I was a little child, I already knew about Israel. What do you mean Israel is the sign of the times? How can it be? Before November 29, 1947, the UN General Assembly resolved to allow the establishment of the Jewish state. In May 14, 1948, the British mandate over Palestine expired, and the state of Israel was born on May 15, 1948. The United States of America was the first to acknowledge the state of Israel, and Russia followed three days after. So it was only until 1947-1948 that Israel existed as a nation. In the past, they were not a nation. Why? Because they were under the Babylonians. And they were dispersed. And then Adolf Hitler in the Second World War determined that he would exterminate all Jews. So he killed approximately 6 million of them. Because of what happened to the Jews, the United Nations felt that the Jewish people had the right to self-existence. But they didn't have any land. So they gave them a small piece of land in Palestine and it became Israel. Now look at what Jesus said. When his disciples were pointing out to Jesus how beautiful the Temple Mount is, he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. You see that picture on the side? The Jewish... People during the time of Jesus rebelled against Rome. And Rome was letting it go for a while, but then they decided to put an end to it. So they sent legions upon legions of their soldiers, and they set fire to the temple. Now, if you know your Bible, in the temple, there's a lot of what? There's a lot of gold. Because the basin, the laver was made, articles in the temple were made of gold. So when the fire spread, guess what happened to the gold? It melted. And where do you think the gold went? The melted gold seeped into the cracks between the stones. So what did they do to recover the stone? They had to take apart the stones so that they will be able to recover the gold. When Jesus told his disciples about this, in Matthew 24, the temple was still 
it was still up. They had not yet rebelled. This was already prophetic from Jesus Christ, that not one stone in this temple will be left standing upon another because Rome would plunder it. If you go to Israel, if you have the chance to go to Israel, you will be able to see this. Parts of it have been rebuilt, but you will see some of these stones have been torn apart. Isaiah 11, 11 and 12. Then it will happen that one day the Lord will again recover the second time with His hand the remnant of His people. And He will lift up a standard of the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The first time, as I mentioned, was when they were in captivity by the Babylonians. They were dispersed, but God promised there will be a remnant. In Isaiah, He promised a second time. And when is the second time that they will again become a nation? When the Philippines, represented by Ambassador Carlos P. Romulo, broke the tie. It was the Philippines who cast the vote that allowed the state of Israel to be confirmed. How many of you have visas to go to Europe? How many of you have visas to go to Saudi Arabia? How many of you have visas to go here, to go there? Do you know that if you are a Filipino and you hold a Filipino passport, you do not need a visa to enter Israel? Why? We broke the tie. We broke the tie. <laughs> you don't need a visa. You don't need to go to uh, you don't need to get a visa to go to Israel. Imagine. Now you understand why we don't know? Because it was the Philippines who broke the tie. Our ambassador cast the vote. Now, was it because Carlos P. Romulo was really the one sent there? No. It was God's prophecy. He said, I will Bring them together a second time. And because now Israel is a place, Israel is a nation, Jews can come back with the fall of the Iron Curtain. Jews who were dispersed and locked in Russia can now go back. Why? God said, I will bring them back from the four corners of the world, the north, the south, the east, and the west. Oh, what a coincide. No, it's not a coincide. It is God's promise. In Ezekiel, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out from your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. It's God's promise. So a sign of the return of the King of kings and the Lord of lords is the established, the reestablishment of the state of Israel. Second, this is the age of deceit. We have to mark the signs. Israel is one sign. How about the... Are you being deceived? I submit to you. This is the age of deceit. Look. For many will come in my name. Verse 5 and verse 11. I am the Christ and will mislead many. Verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. 
Do you know that since the year 1900, over 1,100 false Christs have appeared on the scene? And some of them are alive today. In Russia, Sergei Anatolievich, Sergei Torop. Sergei Torop. He claimed to be Christ. And he has many, many followers. This guy originally, Luis de Jesus Miranda. They call him Mr. 666. In one of the photos on the internet, his uh, suit, he has 666 written here. Anything is good so long as you follow him. He claims to be Christ incarnate. But he also claims to be the Antichrist, both in the same person. No, he's not bipolar. <laughs> All right? Let's bring it a little closer to home. He has an international TV station. He has an international radio station. He has built in Davao, as you exit the new international airport in Davao, you will see a large wall, and you will ask yourself, what is that? That is the new Jerusalem. I'm not kidding. He has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. He claims to be the new son of God on earth. How do I know? I texted him. <laughs> I'm serious. They have a text line. So when I heard about how he introduces himself, I texted, who is the new son of God on earth? I, I tell you the truth. In less than 30 seconds, I got a reply. Our beloved pastor Apollo Kuboloy is the new son of God on earth as revealed to him by the father. And in some of his interviews, okay, he says that Jesus Christ was not able to finish his work because he died. So he is going to finish it. Now we laugh. We laugh because we know the truth, right? But the prophecy is that many will come in my name and say that I am the Christ. And worse, many will be deceived. So he has a lot of followers. The list goes on and on. You remember David Koresh? Waco, Texas? Do you remember Jim Jones? They all claim to be God. They all claim to be Christ. Oh, no. How can that be? But why are there people who have been deceived to the point that they would commit suicide for this man? Do not be deceived. Be alert. Know the sign of the times. How about wars? Jesus Christ said there will be wars and rumors of wars. You have this guy, another diminutive person from North Korea, right? 
He always threatens, I'm going to, you know, deploy my nuclear warheads. This guy in Iran, Ahmadinejad, he wants to destroy Israel. Wars and rumors of wars. How many hundreds of thousands have already died in Syria? How many thousands have died in Egypt? Brother against brother, nation against nation. Wars and rumors of wars. We have already had two world wars. And the third world war is just a click or a push of a finger away. Israel. The deception of the times. The wars. And the rumors of war. There's this group of intellectuals who are monitoring what they call the doomsday clock. And they're saying that the clock is about to strike 12 midnight, which means the end of the world. They're saying in their own kind of calculations, in their doomsday clock, it's about five minutes away. Now, they don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows exactly when it will happen. But God is giving us the sign of the times. How about natural disasters? Oh, Pastor, we cannot count natural disasters as a sign of the times. That's why they're called natural. Because they happen naturally. Right? So you, you, you cannot use that. But how about this? It said in Matthew 24 verse 7, And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Oh, a famine? Okay lang yan. Earthquake? Okay lang yan. We're used to it. However, it continues, there will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Oh, these are signs from where? From heaven. Look at what statistics we have. In the U.S., in the last 13 years, five of the costliest hurricanes in history Three of the four largest tornado swarms in history. Buti sa Philippines, wala tayong tornado. Ipo-ipo lang dun. Nine out of the ten greatest disasters determined by FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Association, and the, G and the worldwide upswing in sinkholes. We went to Bohol. Nag-honeymoon kami, kasama kami doon sa anak ko. Pito kami. We went to Bohol and we had dinner with the, the vice mayor, the sister of our sister Susan Guevara. And she was explaining, you know, as you travel up there, be careful you do see the... And you know, if you have time, you might want to look at the sinkhole. Sinkhole? I thought sinkholes were only in Florida. You know, the, 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 the man eating his, and all of a sudden, his, his whole house goes inside because the, the sinkhole? I thought this was only in Florida or other parts of the world. In the Philippines, because of that earthquake in Bohol, now we have sinkholes. The chocolate hills is now crack. Sinkholes. The U.S. Geological Survey says that in the last five decades has seen an increase of what they call killer quakes. 
na Pilipinas sanay na sanay tayo. But the intensity and the frequency is getting more and more. So, from earthquakes to great earthquakes. Notice the intensity and the frequency. There are more earthquakes today than 10, 20 years ago. There are even more, there are even less in the last century. So the Bible is giving us the sign of the times. Israel, the age of def deceit, famines, and earthquakes, wars, and rumors of wars. Do you believe that up to now, there are about 8 million people who are going hungry, either hungry or malnourished? Here in America, what do we do? You don't, Brian, you don't look obese, okay? <laughs> My point is this. We have so much excess of food. We have hybrid everything. Before, you used to wait a certain length of time before you can harvest this or that. Now, in three months, harvest. There is so much abundance. But why is it that there are still people who are hungry in this world today? Because the Bible says there are famines and pestilences. There are still un some uncurable diseases. Famines and pestilences, the signs of the times. And what are these signs? According to Jesus, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. <coughs> Mothers, when you hear birth pangs, what does that bring to mind? Fathers and mothers, you have watch, paper, ball pen, right? Right? And then, and then, oh, how Oh, eight minutes in between, no problem. What? What are you doing? You're timing your contractions. You know that the baby is about to come when the contractions are more frequent, more intense. And the spacing is getting closer and closer and closer to each other. The sign of the times. We don't know exactly when, but we know from the sign of the times that Jesus is coming back soon. Global gospel proclamation. Why is this a sign? You see, God says... In Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Will Jesus come before the gospel is shared to in the entire nation? Yes or no? No. When will he come? After all the world has heard about the gospel of the kingdom of God. Yes? With technology today. Could this already be a reality? That the gospel has been preached to the four corners of this world? So, if this is true, could Jesus come in the next five minutes? 
But why has he delayed? Why has he delayed? Have you ever spoken with a person and asked the person about his spiritual journey? And as you share your faith in Christ, his response or her response will, well, if that's true, why is nothing happening? You said this, you said that, but everything is the same. You see, many people think this way. No, first of all, in the last days, mockers will come. And they will mock you for your faith. With their mocking, following their own lust and saying, where's the promise of this coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. That with the Lord, the day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about keeping His promise. As some count slowness. But is what? Is patient towards you. Not wishing for any to perish. But for all to come to repentance. Why is He delaying His return? He wants the gospel preached to everyone so that everyone can have the opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel in faith. So God is delaying so that people have time to repent and come to faith in Christ. Oh, bagal, bagal. Pasalamat tayo. We should be thankful that God is delaying. Do you have loved ones, family members who yet do not know Christ? You should thank God that He's delaying because He's still giving these loved ones of ours an opportunity to come to faith. Why be prepared? Well, simply because it's going to be sudden. It's not going to come announced. It is completely unannounced. You see, in Matthew 24, Jesus said, For the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Do you see this verse? And do you agree that this is exactly what's happening today? People giving in marriage. People no longer thinking about what's right, what's wrong. They're just thinking about what feels good. And Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, as he spent 120 years of his life building the ark, continued to preach, repent. There's going to come a flood. Yeah, right. When? We don't even know what a flood is. There's going to be rain. We don't even know what rain is. Stop talking. And what happened? When the Word of God came through, what happened? Only Noah and his wife and his three, children, his three sons and their three daughters, only eight of them were saved. 
it will be sudden. Why be prepared? It will be unexpected. At the least time that you expect, that's the time that Jesus is coming back. You see, he said, but make, be sure of this. If the head of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would, not, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready for the Son of Man in his coming is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Will the robber call you? Hello, Mr. Nolan. Are you still on your 8.30 to 5.30 work schedule? Yes. Okay, is it okay for me if I break into your house about 4? You don't do that. Why? The thief comes at the least expected time. And the Lord says he will also come at the least expected time. So what should you and I be do? We must be dressed in readiness. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like the men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. We must be always ready. What will Jesus Christ catch us doing when he returns? Your lamp must always be lit. And for your lamps, our lamps to always be lit, we must need oil. We must be lit. We must be dressed in readiness. When Jesus Christ comes. You see, a lamp needs oil. And in the Bible, the oil mostly represents the Holy Spirit. Anoint your head with oil and this and that with oil. So you must be ready. You must be in the Lord and walking in the Lord when He returns. What will God catch you doing? Will you be doing His work and being a faithful disciple when He returns? Or you will be doing something that you don't want anything or anyone to know about? And then He returns. And then you're like this. Eh? Anya ka pala? You're like you were caught in the cookie jar. Oui. So let me ask you, what slows down your walk with Jesus? What slows down your walk with Jesus? Hebrews tells us, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. He says, lay aside every encumbrance. Now, an encumbrance is not necessarily a sin. But the verse tells us that there is an encumbrance and there is also a sin. So, we know. We know the sins, Right? But how about the encumbrances? These are things that weigh us down. These things are not necessarily sin, but they hold us back. Busyness. That could be an encumbrance. You know, during their time when they ran the first Olympics, walang uniform. They were all 
nude. Why? Because even the thin cloth would weigh them down. So for them to be able to participate and participate effectively, they tore out all their clothes. Now, I'm not telling you to tear off your clothes, all right? But my point is this. The Bible is telling us, this is not good for me. It's not necessarily sin, so I'm going to shed it off. Sin, we already know. We should not dabble with it, right? But there are things that we do, things that you and I do, not necessarily sin, but they slow us down. TB. Instead of watching Breaking Bad series. Diba? Inupuan mo pa, marathon ka. Talagang inubos mo yun. You were not able to attend your D group. You were not able to read your Bible. You were not able to do your... Are we understanding each other? Is watching the TV wrong? No. Is watching movie wrong? No. But does it weigh you down? Does it slow you down? That's really up to you. I'm just showing you what the Bible tells us. What is it that weighs you down? I have to ask myself, what is it that weighs me down? Because there are people, as the verse says, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and they are watching. Some who know of our profession of faith are watching us like this. Mm, sabi ko na eh. Oh, ayan na naman. You see, I told you. Look. Some of us are watching our walk like this. Yes. Yes. Continue. I'm cheering you on. Some of us are like this. You'll never make it. You're doomed. You know that cartoon Gulliver, that small guy? You'll never make it. You're doomed. Some of us say, come on, brother. You can do it. You can. Trust God. Pray. We're here. Go. Some of us are mm -hmm, tripping each other up, wanting us to fall. Why? So that they can ridicule God. Be like men waiting for their master to return from their wedding. During their time, weddings could last for a month. You're invited to the wedding. When? In April. Kailan matatapos? Hindi natin alam. Because it's a feast. That's why in the wedding feast of Cana, what happened? The wine ran, the, the wine ran out. The feast kept, the wedding banquet kept on going. And then the wine ran out. And then Mary went to Jesus. We have no more wine. And what did Jesus do? It was not yet time for him to perform the miracle. He had not yet come out as the Messiah. But he accommodated the request. And as the waiters were obeying to bring the water what happened when they tasted the water? It was wine. As they obeyed. As they were obeying the command of God, the miracle happened. Now, watching and waiting doesn't mean. So, what are you doing? 
I am watching and waiting. Kulang ng pako itong isa, ha? No. The word Gregor, Gregorio means to give strict attention, to be cautious, to be active, to take heed, lest through remission and neglect, some destructive calamity may come upon you. So when the Bible tells us that we must be prepared, that we must be always on the ready, that we must be always watching and waiting, it doesn't mean that you sit in the corner of your house and wait for the Lord's return. You must be actively cooperating with the Holy Spirit and doing what God wants you to do. As you obey Him, as you wait eagerly for His return, you and I must be always following the Lord Jesus Christ, continuing to abide in His Word even as His Word continues to abide in us. To continue to love one another even as Christ has loved us and continue to bear fruit until the harvest the harvester, the vine dresser, arrives to take us home. How do you want to finish? You have three options. First, you can finish fantastically as a faithful servant. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on earth when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Jesus himself, in a wedding feast scenario, will be even the one to serve you. If you are that faithful slave, you're going to be blessed. It says further in verse 43 and 44, Blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. I hope every one of us will finish well. That when the Lord comes, we will be doing exactly what He has commanded us to do. To evangelize, spread the gospel, and disciple people to Christ-likeness. You can have a fantastic finish. Or you can have a mediocre finish. Eh, ang grade mo? 75. Pasado naman ah. Ano, what do we call that? You just barely made it through the skin of your teeth. And where do we find that? Now if a man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident for the day, will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as those through fire. You just barely made it. You just prayed. And you don't get any crown. You just made it by the skin of your teeth. You just passed it. Barely. At least I'm in. Yeah. But you're not part of the crowning ceremonies. 
you're just mediocre. Or, fantastic finish, a mediocre finish, or worse, a disastrous finish. You're a total loss. Can that happen? Yes. If the slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat other slaves, both men and women, and eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in the hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him in a place with unbelievers. The biggest tragedy is to leave this earth without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, John 3, 17 and 18 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe in Him has been judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There are many people who think, okay, that when I die, that's the time I will be judged. That's the time when God will assess whether I am allowed to enter heaven or not. The Bible is telling us that we have already been judged. And what is the judgment? Sin pays a penalty of death. That's the judgment. So the judgment has already been made. And that judgment is a judgment of disastrous proportions. But you don't need to finish that way. Because the Bible says in verse 17, God did not send the Son into the world to judge it, but what? To save it. So don't go around thinking that, yeah, well, God is delaying. I'm good. I'm okay. So that when the time comes, we'll just meet face to face. Then I'll know whether God will judge me or not. Friend, God has already made a judgment on sin. And if you've ever made any sin, committed any sin in your life, that judgment falls on you. And it's a total loss. It's a disastrous finish. But all is not lost. You can start with a disastrous finish. If you're a sinner and you start on the way to destruction, know that you don't need to finish disastrously. You don't need a total loss. You can begin as a mediocre Christian. Come to faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Admit to God that you're a sinner, separated from a holy God. Trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you. He came into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Then when you come to faith in Christ, don't be content with just having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Get into a discipleship group. Allow other people to build into your lives. Grow up together in Christ-likeness so that instead of having a disastrous finish, so that just having yourself in a mediocre situation, you can finish fantastically.
You don't need to be a mediocre Christian. You don't need to stay in a disastrous and total lost situation. You can recover, but the recovery is only through Jesus Christ. And the way to become more and more like Christ is first to have Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Get into discipleship. And then, you know, to finish really fantastic, go and evangelize and disciple others. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Friend, the choice is yours. How do you want to finish? Choice is yours. The promise is this. Behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me. To render to every man according to what he has done. It's not how we finish. It's about how I finish. Because look, to render to each man according to what he has done. The choice is yours. According to Fox News, we report, you decide. Yes? Choice is yours. There are only three choices. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're headed towards the disastrous finish. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, salvation is made available to you right here, right now. All you need to do is be honest with God. God, I'm a sinner separated from you. And all of my good works cannot pay for the penalty of my sin, which is death. I acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ to be the only one who paid for all of my sin. And I invite Him to come into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. And change me from the inside out. To make me the kind of disciple, not just a Christian, that He wants me to be. God, I don't want to be a mediocre Christian. I don't want to come into heaven just saying because I prayed a prayer. I want to enter heaven triumphantly and hear the words of my Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Let's pray. Where are you today? Between you and the Lord. Not between you and CCF, not between you and the person who brought you here. I don't know where you're coming from, where you're going, where you are in your spiritual journey. But just between you and the Lord. Are you headed for a total loss? You don't need to. Would you consider yourself to be a mediocre Christian? You don't need to. Would you want to finish fantastically for the Lord? Yes, you can. But you need Jesus. Friend, 
the greatest tragedy is to go to hell when you don't need to because Jesus Christ has made a way he has paid for all of your sin he is willing to come into your life and help you and be with you and to strongly support you to become the kind of disciple that God wants you to be speak to him and tell him the desires of your heart tell him you want him to be your Lord and Savior if you already have him as your Lord and Savior tell him you to give you a holy discontent for being mediocre for just being a Christian Tell him that you want to finish triumphantly. Tell him that, God, I'm aiming for those crowns. The crowns that you've been preparing for me since eternity past. God, I, I'm not omniscient, so I don't know what my brothers and sisters here are praying. But I know that you're hearing them, Lord God, right now. And I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will move in this place and in our hearts, Lord. Convict us of our sin if there's sin to be confessed. Convict us of our relationship with you, Lord, if we're far apart from you. Convict us of our mediocre existence, Lord God. And help us, Lord, to be the fantastic finishers that you want to see. God, we can't do it on our own, Lord. We need you. We need the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Give us a godly discontent, Lord God, for our own situation. Allow us, Lord, to be more and more like Christ, in whose name we pray all of these things. And everyone said, Amen and Amen.